Hi, this is Dion Baig from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Are you someone who has no idea that they can be heard? Has brilliant ideas and wants to get them out there? Has a podcast but can't keep up with the work or just wants to focus on things that matter? Then Podcast Engineers is your gateway to get your voice heard. They don't just edit your podcast. They enhance your listeners' experience. You simply do what you do best. That is to record and they do the rest. You can find them at podcastengineers.com. Rob and I have been using Podcast Engineers to help make our show sound great. Send them an email to get an episode edited free and a discounted plan. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 73. Hello, and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me again, as always, is the ever chipper, Sandy McKay. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Rob. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm chipper. You are. Yeah. Really chipper. How are things? Uh, things are great, man. Things are great. Lots of stuff on the go. So it's been a busy summer. And uh, yeah, how about you? I'm good. I'm uh, really good. You know, I can't complain. Got my family. I've got my health. I've been taking probably a little bit too much time off, to be honest with you, though. But having fun doing that. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's all just going good. Well, don't feel guilty about that. I do feel guilty about it. There's not much that <laughs> anyone can. I feel guilty about it constantly if I take time <laughs> off, but I still try to enjoy it while I'm out. I just feel guilty after. <laughs> well, yeah, this is going to be a great show. We've got a great guest uh, lined up here. And I guess before we get to that, just want to, as always, recommend for our listeners to jump on over to our website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca. Grab our free report there, the ultimate wealth strategy for building wealth. So the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. And you can download our episodes there. You can comment on them. We'd love to get some conversations going there. And then iTunes. Jump on over to iTunes and, and leave us a five-star review. Yeah, you know, I really do appreciate everybody that takes the time to go over and do that because I know it's not just as simple as a click. You've got to sign into iTunes and uh, and whatnot before you can actually add a review. So I really do appreciate all of those five-star reviews that you guys have been leaving us and uh, hope to see some more. So very excited anytime that we get some new reviews. So that is great. As Sandy mentioned, 
if you have a comment that you want to make about one of the episodes or one of our guests or one of the topics or maybe something that we haven't hit on or anything, just go to the episode that you want to comment on. But if you just want to make a general comment, you can do that in the uh, in the latest episode. Just click on the episode and then there's a spot down at the bottom where you can leave a comment. You can also, uh, you know, do all the social media sharing and stuff if you feel so inclined at the bottom of that page as well. And uh, again, that would just help us get the show out there to have more people and just get the word out that there's somewhere that people can learn about real estate in Canada. So I think it's a good thing. Exactly. And uh, and if they have ideas for shows or uh, topics they want covered, I think that's important too. We'd love to hear about that because we've talked about a lot, Rob. We've talked about a lot of different subjects at this point. If there's anything out there specific that people want to learn about, we'd love to to bring a guest on to chat about it. Yeah, I think that uh, that's a challenge. Someone let me know, let us know what we've missed, what we haven't touched on yet, so that we can expand for you guys. So today we have a really great guest. We have Joanne Quippers with us, and she's going to be sharing all of her secrets for increasing income by creating a second suite in your home. So thanks for being here, Joanne. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. And... uh and Joanne was in the sales and marketing industry for over 20 years and uh, was looking for something completely different. So eight years ago, she ended up buying her first rental property. Uh, she attended Humber College and obtained her accreditation for property management. And, uh, and she's really passionate about helping people take home ownership and make it more affordable. She's on the Habitat for Humanity Durham Affordable Housing Task Force and the board director for the Landlord Association of Durham on the Committee of Adjustments for Scugog Township, uh, award winner of the Wise 50 over 50 at Startup Canada in Ottawa for 2017, and runs a very successful property management company. So she's got a lot on her place. She's uh, very successful, lots of accolades. And uh, again, welcome to the show, Joanne. Well, thank you very much, Sandy. I really appreciate that. And it is quite a bit, actually, (laughs) if you look at it that way. But eight years ago, I was looking for something new, something different. Uh, I was really not happy with what I was doing. So my husband and I bought a uh, fourplex up in Lindsay and uh, had no idea what we were doing. We were scared, excited, as a lot of people probably when they get into the real estate investment business are, right? So we really didn't know what we were doing. So uh, we actually took in the first tenant. We bought it with uh, one unit vacant and we advertised it. We took in the first tenant that applied. Didn't have a clue on how to screen the tenant. Had no idea what we were doing. And uh, it worked out okay, but it could have gone bad looking back at and and hearing all the stories now. So I thought, well, you know, I really like this industry and I better learn what I'm doing, right? So took a bunch of courses, uh, the uh, Humber College property management courses. And I also in, attended uh, Chris CP's landlording course for Ontario. That's an amazing course. Uh, you're not going to find that sort of information anywhere else. Uh, so I really, really appreciate Chris CP. He's my mentor. I've learned a lot from him. And so I started, you know, start looking at getting another property and, and kind of delving into this industry more and kept going to housing symposiums and meetings and that sort of thing. That's actually where I met Chris Seepy and went to a Habitat for Humanity housing thing in Oshawa a couple years ago. And uh, Mary Menzies, she was the director of the social housing in Durham. And everybody kept saying the same thing, that there's a need for more housing, that there's an affordable or even a housing shortage, a serious housing shortage in Canada. And that 
everybody's looking like a lot of people are looking into getting a legal second suite or a second suite or in-law suite or whatever. And she stood up and she said, but the problem is you're going to have hundreds of new landlords that don't know how to be landlords. And I thought literally a light bulb went off in my head and I thought I can help with that. Right. So I started I kind of pulled back on looking at buying another property and it started focusing on how to help people, you know, create more income and use their empty basement space. Right. And so I started learning and calling different townships and different towns and, and asking questions about zoning. And I actually talked to politicians and met with Jennifer French in Oshawa and another uh, Oshawa city councilman. I, sorry, I forget his name right now. <laughs> it escapes me and started finding out how they view it from their end and just all the dynamics on creating legal second suite. So that's how I came up with the idea. To be honest with you, I wasn't really looking to launch a, a business, but I just felt so passionate about it. I thought, I can't, I can't not do this. And if you read the news and you see what's going on, the CMHC, they're investing millions of dollars to try to solve some of the issues with housing. And as I've also learned through going to the meetings and, and talking to Chris, the investors are not building purpose-built rental units anymore because there's more money in the condos. So, you know, I think there is a need for it. I saw that there was a, a strong need for this and, you know, people just didn't know how to go about it. Like one of the questions that you guys asked me was how do I think that this could help make home ownership more affordable? I got a couple of examples, actually. Uh, there was a father's son, right? Uh, and the father owned a house in the GTA. It's so tough to get into the housing market, right? Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's next to impossible. And I know a lot of young people, because I talk to them a lot, they just almost feel like they've given up, right? And so I came across a contractor, uh, John McClellan Construction Inc. And uh, John's been a great mentor as well. And he, he told me about a father and son that uh, the father owned a house and the son couldn't get into home ownership. So they kind of formed a business partnership, if you will. And the father said, okay, son, you can have the basement space of the house. So the son spent you know, a small fortune. I think it was around a hundred thousand dollars and he built himself a beautiful basement home. Right. And then they also did the contracts and stuff like that. So now the son owned part of the house. So with his hundred thousand dollar investment, which he likely financed, he was now in the home ownership equity building game. So that was a win. I thought that was a fantastic thing. And then my daughter, my oldest daughter, she was living out in uh, Pembroke and she was renting an apartment for $1,100 a month. Now, this is a different market, right? But I said to her, well, why don't you buy a house with a basement suite? And uh, I bet you your mortgage will be less than your rent. And it turned out that that's what they did. And it worked out well for them. So their mortgage was less than half of their rent. And they were, again, building equity. So I just, I just think it's fantastic. I think that we have to be more creative in the housing, in creating more housing for people. Uh, another example, which is kind of a little side off here, in Port Perry, uh, we have four ladies that uh, we call the Golden Girls. And what they did with a contractor was they bought, like the contractor built this house or 
kind of changed the house so that it was four separate suites with a common living and kitchen area. And each of the women that lived there bought into the home and then they pool their money together and share the expenses. So that's another another way. But I can see that we do have to be more creative on how we can make home ownership more affordable and help young people and new immigrants into the country, how, how we can help them get into the home ownership game, right? So I just very passionate about that. Um, let's go back just a little bit to, I was curious because you mentioned that you bought a fourplex in Lindsay. What, yep. That was your first investment. What was that spark? Where did you get the spark for real estate investing? Well, it kind of fell on our laps, to be honest with you. It was my mother-in-law. She wanted to sell it. And I always wanted to get into the real estate investing thing because I've heard good things about it, right, from other people. <laughs> and it was... Uh, you know, the stars lined up, so to speak. She wanted to sell it. We said, hey, we're interested in buying it. And it went from there. Okay. So we were lucky that way. Mm-hmm. I see. So you, like, really before that, you weren't even thinking about it. It was almost like a, this fell in my lap kind of deal. Not the idea of real estate investing fell into your lap. Well, it was kind of wishful thinking we wanted to do this, but we just, you know how life gets busy, right? Mm-hmm. My husband, he's a test pilot for Bombardier. He was busy, you know, doing his career and that sort of thing. And we had three kids. They were going off to university. We were busy, busy people. And, you know, sometimes that's the thing with real estate investing, right, is that you have to kind of either, well, we were lucky, but you have to kind of pursue it and go after it. And Mm -hmm. it's risky and it's scary sometimes, but it's well worth it. Okay. Joanne, can you walk us through the process to create a legal second suite? Sure. Now, this took me about eight months to figure this out. I Again, I went to the Landlord Self-Help AGM meeting last year. And, uh, you know, I just worked on different things. And because, like I said, I would call different townships and di- or different municipalities and I would get different answers sometimes. So it took me some research and, and a lot of digging and stuff like that to kind of figure out and wrap my head around what was involved in this process. So the first thing you got to do is you got to find out if you're zoned in the proper area. I was talking to a homeowner, someone that purchased a home around the UIOT in Oshawa, Mm -hmm. and they purchased the home with the idea of creating a legal second suite in the unit, only to find out after that they were in a restricted zone that you were not able to do that. So That's the first step is to find out. We did our uh, first unit actually in Brampton. Last year we started. And so when I found out about zoning there, like every municipality, every town's different, but in Brampton they have flood zone areas where you can't build a legal second suite. So that's the first step is to say, hey, is it possible? Then the second step is to have me come in. I'll do a feasibility report. I'll look at different things from the Ontario Building Code, such as height. I will look for you know, separate entrance, you know, is there uh, like, you know, second egress, like just to see what would be involved. I did do a feasibility report once in Oshawa and found out as I was doing, working on the study of the the report that the law was 12 inches, one foot too narrow. Right. And so I had a solution for them, but I did come up with that I did identify that red flag I mean they could have gone to the committee of adjustments and got a variance and that sort of thing it would have been fine and and when I was doing that one I called the city of Oshawa and I said you know is there something you can do like do we have to do the committee of 
adjustments because that's a delay too. It mm-hmm. takes a while to get that done. And uh, they said, no. And I go, well, you know, <laughs> 12 inches, you're going to, you know, not with all this shortage with housing and stuff like that. And they go, no, nope, they got to do the steps. And I asked them, I go, well, how many, because everybody knows that there's illegal suites in, you know, everywhere. Everybody knows that. Right. And, um, I said to the the city guy, I go, well, how many do you close every year in Oshawa? He goes, about four to five a year we'll close. And I mean, I've seen some of them. Some of them are fire hazard and that sort of thing. And that's just, that's not good. But so anyways, that's what we do. We look at the zoning. I do a feasibility report. We look at the Ontario building code, the fire code. That's really important. The next step would be to obtain drawings. And you need drawings you know, so that you can go to the town and get a permit. So that's the next step then before is getting move, permit. Before you move on to drawings, you said that you had mm-hmm. a solution. So people will come to you before they buy the property or in general, these are people they that can. already own it. So in that situation, was it somebody that already owned it or somebody that was thinking of buying it? The one foot, the two narrow lot? Yeah. So what? let's explain they what we're talking it. about. So there's certain, depending on which municipality you're in, there's certain parking requirements that you need in order to add a second suite. So in the spot you were talking about, they have a number. Uh, I happen to know it's 36.1 feet. So it was a foot short of that. Yes. They own the home. They already owned it. You know what, Sandy? Most property investors are really good at finding the right deal and negotiating a good price. However, even long-time investors would tell you that they have faced significant losses when overlooking some of the pitfalls that pop up unexpectedly. I know I have. Um, When everything seems to be going so well, vandalism by tenants, flood damage, slip and fall lawsuits are only some of the grave issues that investors must protect themselves from or else they may find themselves digging deep into their pockets to repair damaged property, replace rental income, or even defend themselves in a legal case. For peace of mind and to protect your property, we recommend our listeners to contact their insurance broker to review their policy, or we know a great guy, an experienced and former guest on our show, on The Insurance Guy. You can reach him at theinsurers.ca and let him know Rob and Sandy sent you. That's theinsurers.ca. So you said that you came up with a solution for them. So what was the solution? Well, that we would go to the committee of adjustments okay, and get okay, it. Okay, mm. so. They had the parking. They had the uh, frontage of the landscape. Certain percentage has to be landscaped, right? You can't just have a, all pavement on the front of your house mm-hmm. for parking, right? right? But I familiarize myself, depending on which area I go to, about all these different requirements. And I, like I say, I identify red flags saying, you know, hey, this might be an issue. This is how we can get around it. Or sometimes I'll just say, can't be done. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Sometimes I was really curious be though because you said you had you had a workaround, and I thought, okay, maybe you maybe you've discovered something because I've had them. <laughs> I've even called them up and said, look, like this property is literally one inch short of your requirement, and they said, well, an inch is an inch, and it's outside the requirement, isn't it? So <laughs> I'm like, okay, you got to be kidding. Let's move on to the next one. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like I say, I've been trying to work with some politicians and, you know, just seeing what can be done to make it like. And a lot of people are saying the same thing, Rob, that we need to simplify the process of building legal second suites because we need them. 
we simply need them and, and we need to simplify the processes that make it easier to do. Right. So that's what we do. So in that case, it was a young couple that owned the house that wanted to do this Mm -hmm. to help supplement their income. They probably bought the house with this intention. Right. So that was one. But I did do another feasibility report in Ajax and I could tell like the way that the house was built, that it would have cost to have a second egress to make it safe and, and to move the kitchen and some of the plumbing and stuff like that. I just said, ah, this is, you know, that it's probably not worth it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, I'll be honest and I'll say, I don't think it's worth it. So, yeah. So we do the drawings, we get the permits and then we bring in the contractors and they start doing the estimates and that sort of thing. And they'll build the suite. I work with, I've sourced and spent a lot of time sourcing a bunch of contractors. I primarily work with John McClellan Contracting Inc., and he's fantastic. He has uh, staff, like he has employees. So, you know, things are done on time. So the construction is the next step. Then insurance is really important. A lot of people miss this one. And I know I did when I first got in this game is having the proper insurance in place. It's really important. And to have the tenant have their own insurance when they move in is really important too, because if there's a flood, I had a flood at my house last year and I mean, the basement was uninhabitable. And I think like the thing is, is if there's a flood or a fire or whatever, and the tenant can't live in their unit, their insurance will put them up in a hotel. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and obviously protect their content. So I always explain that to tenants really, you need to get in tenant insurance. It's between 15 and $20 a month, right? It's not expensive. So just to recap, the first step would do be the zoning, feasibility report, drawings, permit, construction, insurance. And then the final step is placing the tenant. And that's what I'm an expert at. I do it all the time. And yeah, so you know, I'm trying to create a seamless as possible way for people to create the legal second suite in their home and start making money and increasing their equity. Right. So it's a one-stop shop for people that are looking to do this. hundred percent. Can someone convert their, like, let's say there's already an apartment in the basement somewhere or an in-law suite for the sake of argument. Mm-hmm. Can people take that existing unit and go through a legalization process to make it so that they can legally rent that out? Absolutely. 100% they can. The main thing that they have to do is meet the fire code. And um, that's one of the services that we do offer. We'll go in and see what needs to be done. I've done this before and I will make suggestions and say, this is what you need to do to bring it up to code. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do offer that. And it is totally possible. Yeah, it's possible for them to do. I guess not all of them work out, though. The right. Same way as the other ones. Right. What's, the, so, what's the cost of Yeah, I was going to say, is that a different process? Yes. Like, say if somebody has a legal in-law suite and they want to bring it up to code, they want to legalize it, probably the thing that they're going to have to do is rip out the ceiling in the apartment and meet the fire and sound requirements. Right. That's the main thing that I do come across is they will have to do that. Right. And it's for everybody's safety. Also, having interconnected fire alarms is very important, too. But the process of going through um, getting the drawings and even checking the zoning and all that stuff, that it's the same. Yes. You still have to meet all those if you want to legalize it. Okay. (laughs) Well, what's the general cost of, of all this 
it does vary. It the biggest thing, the biggest factor that uh, affects your costs is: do you have an existing separate entrance? If you have to create a legal, like a, an existing separate entrance, that can run you twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars. So, if you have a separate entrance, either through the garage or a walkout in the back or or a side entrance, right? That really saves you a lot of money. Then you have to factor in the soundproofing, the fire rating, and all that. You have to separate both units with using the fire rated, like according to the Ontario building code and the fire code, then you have to add a kitchen. It depends on, you know, what has to be done. Are we working with an empty basement that there's, you know, not nothing's in it, or are we working with a finished basement that we have to do some teardowns and that sort of thing. But I would say that you would be lucky if you could get one for $20,000 and upwards, it depends on what you want. Like the father and son, right? He spent a hundred thousand because he wanted the nice finishes. So are you building this for a family member? Or are you building it for rental income? And because I do tenant placements, I know what tenants are looking for. Mm -hmm. So I can guide the homeowner saying, this is the colors that you should use. This is the flooring that you should use. This is the lighting. These are the fixtures. This is what's going to get the best bang for your investment dollar. Mm -hmm. What area do you cover then? The GTA. So I cover around Toronto proper because Toronto is really hard to work with. And I thought I would just start where it's easier to do these units. So I primarily focus in Durham region, but I do have contractors and other people that I can work with in Mississauga, Brampton, those sorts of areas. I know Markham and Richmond Hill do not allow, I'm pretty sure Richmond Hill, but I know Markham, they do not allow legal second suites in the basements. I think that they do, you can do carriage houses there. So it depends, yeah. It depends. And it's always changing too, right? So a lot of my work is finding out when people call me and say, hey, I want, I'm looking at, you know, adding an additional suite to my home. The first thing I do is I talk to the city and see how it's changed and, and see what's needed. Yeah. And I know Ontario as a whole has been like each municipality has been mandated to allow second suites to some extent or come up with a plan mm. to allow them. So, yep. uh, yeah, so whether it's in the basement or whether it's a carriage house, like you said, or above a garage or whatever it may be, like it varies from municipality to municipality, mm-hmm. you know, no two are the same. No, <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's very no. important to understand the uh, actual zone that the people who are planning on doing this are in and understand Mm -hmm. all the stuff that they've got going on. I remember what I was going to ask you or what I was going to comment on anyways was the fact Mm -hmm. that, yeah, like the the cost variation can be extremely drastic just based on the finishes even because Mm -hmm. like you can buy a fridge for $700 or you can buy Mm -hmm. a fridge for $3,000 or $4,000. So, I mean, even just appliances, the uh, impact that that can have on, the budget is very drastic. So yes. I know it's tough to answer that question of how much it can cost, but you know, I mean, probably an average would be what 75 or something like that. Yeah. I would think that's reasonable. Yep. How do you work the contractor side of it? Who, who do you work with and how has it been finding good people to work with? 
Uh, well, I did spend a lot of time like sourcing out different contractors and I do have now, I do have a quite a roster of, of people that I can work with. But um, as I mentioned, I do work mostly with John McClellan contracting. And uh, so we're, we're actually starting a new project out in Pickering at the end of this month. I'm very excited about it. We're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a beautiful apartment. They're doing it for a family member, so it's going to be really good. And so I'll, I'll be having that on the before and after and all that stuff on my uh, Facebook page. But I do have some other independent contractors that I work with as well that I, I've seen their work and I can totally vouch for them. But yeah, it's a matter of them fitting me into their schedule because they're so busy, right? Yeah. And uh, did you, like, was it difficult to finally find them? Not really. It just took some work, right? It wasn't, it was just taking the time out and researching them, meeting them, seeing their work, talking to the references, that sort of thing. That is one of the most difficult things is to find contractors who are competent, timely. Uh, it's very, very yeah. difficult. So. Well, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. And I think the two things that people that are considering doing this, the two fears that they have, the two pain points are, am I going to get a good tenant? And am I going to get a good contractor? Or is it going to be, you know, are they going to do shoddy work or, or the contractors that I work with, I've seen them fix other people's mistakes as well. So those two fears are drastically taken care of, minimized, mitigated, whatever you want to call call it. So I, I know that my contract, I've seen their work. I've worked with them. They do an excellent job. And then I'm the tenant placement specialist. And I, I do have a team that I work with as well. And so that's really important too, is to do the proper screening for your tenants too. 90% of property management is finding the right tenant and knowing how to do that. Did you want to walk us through that process then? Like how much does it cost to place the tenants once the unit is built? Oh. Okay. Nope. That's a perfectly fair question. The cost is one month's rent, which is the industry standard for placing a tenant. So what that involves, what do you get for that? So we will advertise your unit. We'll do the tours. We'll show the apartment. We have the applications. We give them the proper applications that have them sign off and give us the right to do credit checks on them. We don't accept their credit checks that they give to us. I want to do the credit checks. So we do proper screening. We call their references and all that sort of thing. And then also I have the new standard lease. So we handle the lease signing and uh, we have the new standard lease plus some additions that I got from Chris Seepy. He spent a lot of time on that. So we do have the standard lease that we use. We collect first and last month's rent. We do a move-in inspection report and have the new tenant sign off on it. And then we also do quarterly inspections. So once the tenant moves in, we can do inspections to make sure that the fire alarms are working, that the unit's in good order, that it's being taken care of and maintained properly, that sort of thing. And then also with our service, if people go away for, say, six months or so, or they just don't want to manage the property, we do that as well. Okay, good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then do you find tenants for existing apartments as well then? Yes. Yeah, we absolutely do. I do quite a bit of that actually. And it's, it's really good. I really enjoy doing that sort of thing. And do you do full property management services or you just do time placement? 
I do full property management services as well. I do tenant placements uh, for seven apartment buildings in Oshawa, and I do full managing for one. And then I also do independent, like I will get people that have a legal second suite or or a basement apartment or whatever, and they want to rent it out, but they don't want to do it. I totally would. I I do that a lot. I'll get calls from people saying, I want to rent out my basement apartment, or I just bought this house and I want to rent out the basement apartment. And again, we'll do the advertising. We'll show the apartment, handle the application, screen the tenants, do the lease, all that sort of thing. Great. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And and you were mentioning a funny story a little bit earlier. Do you want to share that with us? Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. So, I guess about three, three, four years ago or so, before I started getting into the my second suite, like what we're doing now, mm-hmm. I was like I said, I was looking at expanding our portfolio and and you know buying something out east because it's cheaper out there. So we were looking at a place that was actually in in Pembroke, so it was an eleven plex and it was a fairly good price and and it's a transient um, because of the Air Force Base out in Petawawa. It's a transient, uh, I don't know, demographic, so they do charge quite high rents there. And I thought, oh, lower real estate cost, high rent, hey, something potential, right? So my daughter and son-in-law, we went and looked at this 11 plex and it was a beautiful old house. It was really nice, but the owner was, I could tell he was an absentee owner. The real estate agent in Ottawa didn't even actually want to meet me there to go and look at the property. So he set it up that the super would give us the tour. And uh, so he showed me the entire building and Boy, oh boy, that was an eye opener. Some of the recreational aromas that we smelt in some of the units was quite, quite something. <laughs> Hard to put into words, put it that way. And then so we went, it was a beautiful old home. It had a lot of potential, but it had a lot of structural issues. Uh, he took us down into the basement and I looked mm-hmm. up at, and I'm not a you know contractor, although I'm learning a lot, but I looked up and I noticed these, these old beams and they were I don't know, they were really big, thick beams, like in an older house, right? And these were the, the structural support beams. And they, they looked like they were charred and they were painted over with silver paint. And I looked at that and I said to the super, I go, I think those, and my son-in-law's on the fire department, and <laughs> we're looking at these beams and I go, I think they've been burnt. And I'm like, I think I need to get out of this basement right now. And so funny, he said, oh yeah, and that makes them stronger. The the super said that. Yeah. He said that <laughs> the fire made them stronger. <laughs> so I'm oh like, no. Goodness. Did you yeah. ask about like did you so he actually said there was a fire? Or he just said that they them being charred makes them stronger. Well, he didn't say they did it on purpose. I think it was a fire. No, well, obviously, right? but did you talk <laughs> about the fire is all I'm asking. <laughs> No, I no, just I just, just looked up and I said, yeah. I was shocked. Actually, I, I was shocked. I looked up and I pointed and I said, they've been charred and painted over with this silver paint. And he said that that reinforces their strength or yes, something. Yeah. I don't. We all know that. That's <laughs> a well-known fact. Yeah, uh. yeah it was quite interesting. It, it's a, it, you know, real estate investment is a very interesting industry and I absolutely love it. So you didn't buy that one, but uh, no. I guess Pembroke, that did, that sounds interesting the way that you were uh, describing it there. Did you end up buying something else in the town? No, I realized that it's too far yeah. for me to take care of it. It's too far to manage, right? So it's just, so we decided not to. It's a four hour drive from here. Yeah, that's right. It's a little far. 
but it's a good market if if you can manage it. It really is. Mm-hmm. All right. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Certainly. Uh, the best way to reach me is to find me on Facebook. It's uh, My Second Suite, or you can go to what, my website, which is mysecondsuite.com, and uh, it lists my phone number. Um, I can give that to you, too. It's 416-628-8340. And My Second Suite is my second with the, the number two in there, not, not yeah. the word. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. MySecondSuite.com. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, you know what, everybody, as usual, this will all be in the show notes, so you can go in there, and uh, uh, I'm not sure if the links are clickable in there, but either way, regardless, the information will be there, and you'll be able to reach out and uh, get in touch with Joanne if you're interested in working with her, which sounds like she's got a lot of knowledge and experience in the uh, field here of what she's doing with adding second suites, so I think that uh, it would be worthwhile to reach out to her. Uh, thanks Great. for being on the show. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all that. Well, thank you very much, Rob and, and yeah, Sandy. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>